Um, we are uh, at the, the second to the last of the summer at the movies, and this week is Ratatouille, um, which is a movie about a, uh, a rat, basically. It takes place in France, and it is a rat who loves to cook. It is an excellent chef and knows all about it, but he's a rat, um, so he's not really welcome in kitchens. Um, and then there's this other guy, Linguini is his name, and Linguini wants to cook and has access to a kitchen as a dishwasher, but he has no idea what he's doing. And so in typical Disney fashion, the rat joins together with the cook, and they become an excellent chef together. And, of course, there's a villain, there's a little love story in there, and then there's victory at the end. But it, it's a great movie, and if you haven't see it, uh, seen it, I encourage you to. It's, it's funny. It's one of the latest ones that is out from, uh, from Disney, and um, I think they've gotten back to doing stuff very well. And it, it's a really good movie. I encourage you to, to check it out, to rent it, and see it. Um, Dinah Shelley actually has a copy that I borrowed, so you might want to see Dinah afterwards and ask her if you can borrow. Is that okay? It's, all right, good. Um, uh, maybe I should ask Alice and Claire. Is that? <laughs> no. Uh, so, but today is, uh, you know, okay, I don't know if you've noticed, but there's this little thing going on uh, right now that happens every, uh, I don't know, four years or so, the Olympics. Anybody take notice that that's going on right now? Has anyone ever heard the name Michael Phelps? Yeah, if you if you say no, you're lying, because <laughs> you can't you can't go a day in the last like three weeks especially without having heard Michael Phelps mentioned somewhere, seen him on TV or something about this dude Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps, right? Does that make sense? I can do that to you because I I can do that because I have big ears. You know, I can make fun of him. Um, he if you don't, I don't want to ruin it for anybody, but it's already happened. He already won his first gold yesterday in uh, the 400 meter IM. Um, he's not going to hear you, but you can applaud if you want. He's in China. I mean, come on, it's 13 hours different. Uh, but he, he did win his first gold, and, and it was amazing to see. They do the story. And the reason Jenna and I watch the Olympics, Jenna more specifically, is not for the events themselves. It's for the Bob Costa story right before it. You know what I'm talking about? Let's look at Michael's life and lead up to it. You know, and, and they go back in time to Michael's life, and they show his childhood, and they show him in the lacrosse outfit and the little baseball outfit. And then at the age of 11, he was involved in the Baltimore Recreation Athletic Conference, whatever thing, and, and his coach Bowman um, really took note of him and went to his mom and said, he's going to be an Olympian. And his mom said, yeah, right, you're crazy, he's 11. He said, no, this is the time, he's going to be an Olympian. So they start training. And his coach is there with him at the side of the pool yesterday when he won his medal, and he will be with him as he continues to do his events because he's the coach, and that's what a coach does. And I was thinking about it, and Jen and I were watching this, and, and I, I actually it was, I made this comment when we were watching the women's 400-meter relay, and Dana Torres, the 41-year-old Olympian swimmer, was swimming. I was like, and she blew everyone out of the water. I was like, I don't think I could have made it to one side of the pool by the time those four women have gone bare there and back, all four of them. I'm like, these people just amaze me at the abilities, that they, at the things that they can do with their bodies. And I was thinking about it. I was like, you know what? If I trained hard enough, I could do it. If, if I had that Speedo swimsuit on, because that's what's making it, I could do it. <laughs> I know, nobody wants to see that. But... And Jen and I started talking about their training stuff and, and how much time they spend training, how much they have to sacrifice and give up to be an elite athlete. I mean, Michael Phelps, I don't know if he's ever seen a girl. You know, he's never gone out on a date. He's never gone. I mean, because his mind and his focus and his vision are all about the training, all about the waking up 
super, super early and hitting the pool, hitting the weights, doing all the stuff that he has to do to get to where he kicks everybody's tail in the pool. I was like, wow. And there's the coach always beside him. Go, go, go. You need to do this. You need to do this. We can shave off some seconds if you shave that crazy little mustache off. If, if we can do this, if we can do this, you have to do this. Train, 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 train. We all need to train in our lives for something. Some of us train to be better lawyers, better bankers, better teachers, better moms. We read books. We read different things. We get up early to figure out how best to serve our kids this morning. We, whatever it is we do, we all have this area that we live our lives in, and we try to better ourselves, most of us, try to better ourselves at what we do. Have you ever noticed that if you have somebody that's kind of guiding you and teaching you, that it goes easier? If you have somebody beside you that knows what they're talking about, that has been through this, that has gone down the road further, it's easier. I mean, a guy doesn't just walk into surgery one day and go, all right, I'm going to perform this uh, cardiovascular surgery and hook up this guy's artery this way and do a triple, quadruple bypass surgery right out of college. He's got to train. He's got to stand beside other doctors and watch doctors perform the surgery. And he has to have other doctors stand beside him so he doesn't kill somebody. He has to train to become perfect at what he does. You've got to go to practice if you want to get in the game, unless you're Allen Iverson. Thank you, David Roper. No Allen Iverson fans in here, apparently. But you have to practice and you have to train. Ratatouille, there comes a moment when Linguini gets the chance to shine. He gets called up from the minor leagues to the majors. He gets called up into the show and he makes this soup with the help of his little rat in his hat. And he becomes a chef. But they're not just going to let him cook stuff without a little bit of training. So the head chef of the place puts Colette with him. And Colette is his guide and his trainer and his instructor. You know what? It's not always pretty. Let's watch this clip right here. Cutting vegetables. I'm cutting your vegetables. No, you waste energy and time. You think cooking is a cute job, eh? Like mommy in the kitchen? Well, mommy never had to face the dinner rush with the orders come flooding in and every dish is different and none are simple at all of the different cooking times, but must arrive on the customer's table at exactly the same time, hot and perfect. Every second counts and you cannot be mommy. What is this? Keep your session clear. What will happen? Let the session slow things down. Who doesn't go or just pile up disaster? I'll make this easy to remember. Keep your station clear or I will kill you! Ugh, your sleeves look like you threw up on them. Keep your hands and arms in, close to the body, like this, see? Always return to this position. Cook smooth fast. Sharp utensils, hot metal, keep your arms in. You will minimize cuts and burns and keep your sleeves clean. Mark of a chef. Messy apron, clean sleeves. I know the Gusto style code. In every dish, Chef Gusto always has something unexpected. I will show you. I memorize all these recipes. Always do something unexpected. No, follow the recipe. But you just said. No, 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 no. It was his job to be unexpected. It is our job to follow, follow the recipe. How do you tell a good bread is without tasting it? Not the smell, not the look, but the sound, the crust, the sound. Oh, symphony of crackles. 
only great breads are this way. The only way to get the best produce is to have first pick of the day. And there are only two ways to get first pick. Grow it yourself or bribe a grower. Well, not? The best restaurant get first pick. People think old cuisine is snooty. So Chef Masato will be snooty. But not so. That old man. One way from home at 12. Got hired by circus people as an acrobat. And then he gets fired for messing around with the ringmaster's daughter. Worst has done time. What for? No one knows for sure. He changes the story every time you ask him. I defrauded a major corporation. I robbed the second largest bank in France using only a ballpoint pen. I created a hole in the ozone of revenue. I killed a man with this thumb. Don't ever play cards with Pompidou. He's been banned from Las Vegas and Monte Carlo. LaRousse ran gone for the resistance. Which resistance? He won't say. Apparently, they didn't win. So you see, we are artists, pirates. What the cooks are we? We? We. You are one of us now, we. We. Thank you, by the way, for all the advice about cooking. Thank you, too. For, for what? For taking it. At the very end of it, he says, thank you so much for all the advice about cooking. She says, thank you, too, for taking it. See, that's the thing is you got to be willing to take it. You have to be willing to take the criticism and take the teaching and take the coaching. If you notice, when she started, she was a little bit softer and a little bit nicer, as soft as a French woman can be. If you have your Bibles, open up to Proverbs. Actually, don't open up. I'm just going to read one verse. Proverbs 13:18. If you ignore criticism, you'll end up in poverty and disgrace. If you accept criticism, you will be honored. Words of wisdom. If you ignore criticism, you'll end up in poverty and disgrace. If you accept criticism, you'll be honored. What's God telling us? I think God's telling us, and there are many other passages about this, is we need to be in some sort of relationship where somebody is kind of coaching us where somebody is mentoring us, where somebody is discipling us. You know, disciple and discipline came from the soup, the same root word, disciple and discipline. There, there must be a teacher and somebody willing to learn. There must be someone who leads and there must be someone who follows in order for this discipleship relationship to occur. And why is discipling important? If you remember in Matthew chapter 28, when Jesus is about to go back to his father, the, some of the very last words he said to us, go therefore into all the world and make disciples. The last, the last thing he says to us, the last time he talks to us here on this earth, he says, go into the world and make disciples. Now, he didn't say go into the world and build pretty churches. Go into the world and produce magnificent works of music and art and stained glass windows and great sermons. He said, go into the world and make disciples. Why is that so so important to Jesus Christ? Do you remember the way he led his life when he was here? When he started his ministry at the age of 30, what did he start doing? He gathered his disciples. He went around and he gathered the 12 guys that would be with him. He said, come follow me. Essentially what he was saying is, come and be like me. Come follow me. Learn everything I have to teach you. Watch the way I live and live your life the same way. I mean, that's what Christ calls all of us to do. 
Watch the way he lived his life and do the same. Follow him. If you want to follow Jesus, you've got to be like Jesus. If you want to be an Olympian, you have to train. If you want to be like Jesus, you have to train. And if you want to train appropriately and correctly, you have to have somebody to coach you and to guide you and to lead you and to correct you. I don't think Michael Phelps at the age of 11 when his coach, Coach Bowman, saw him and went to his mom and said he can be an Olympian. I don't think he was swimming world record pace at that time. I don't think he immediately jumped in the pool and was like, zoo, zoo. And people were so blown away in the rooster tail that was following behind his feet that they said, that guy's going to be an Olympian. No. But there was something there. And so I'm sure Coach Bowman took him aside and he was pretty harsh with him, I bet, at the first. Don't swim like that. Don't dive like that. Dive like this. Don't cup your hands like this. Cup your hands like this. I have no idea about swimming. Don't breathe like that. Breathe like this. And time and time again, and I'm sure there were times when Michael would ingest water and have water coming out of his nose and he'd do a belly flop because he wasn't diving right and all these different things. And it took time for him to learn. To where now I'm sure Coach Bowman really doesn't have to say much. I'm sure Coach Bowman just gets up there and says this and Michael's like, yeah, I know, I get it. I'm there. But it's the coaching and the training. So we all need to have somebody like that in our lives as we work towards being like Christ. We need a coach. We need a trainer. We need a mentor. We need somebody to disciple us. Someone to walk alongside of us and to look at our lives and to say, don't live your life that way. That is not what Jesus would have you do. Live your life this way. Look at the text. Read the Bible. Follow God. Why are you doing that? You know that's not the way that God would have you do it. We need somebody who is further along in their walk, further along in their relationship with Jesus Christ to come beside us and to honestly criticize us. But, you know, sometimes criticism is hard, isn't it? I mean, we don't always like to take criticism, especially in something as personal as our own life. Who are you to tell me how to live my life? And yet, if you're in a true relationship of discipling, that's what's going to happen. You know, the disciples weren't always the golden men and golden boys that we know them as today. I mean, Jesus Christ had to rebuke them and correct them. There were times that disciples made mistakes and Jesus called them out on it. There were times that the disciples went wrong and Jesus called them out on it. We need to be in a relationship where somebody is walking with us and teaching us and correcting us and criticizing us to be more and more like Christ. We need to be willing to listen, like Linguini was. We need to be willing to accept that criticism. I I am probably my harshest critic of my sermons. I am the one who probably rips myself apart more than, I don't know, some of you might be going, you should hear what I have to think. Um, Some of you are, you know, blessings and you come and tell me. Uh, Anyway, uh, and... There are times when I I need criticism. I don't always like to hear it. This is my favorite part of ministry. I've said that to you before. This is when I feel most alive with God is when I get up and I have the opportunity and I can't believe it. Every time I get to do it, that God's like, yeah, I want you to go ahead and preach today. I'm like, seriously, (laughs) have you met me? Um, and, And I get up here and I preach and I feel so excited and alive about doing that. But I know that there are many, 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 many times when I try to do it on my own and not let God do it. I know that there are times when I fail God from the stage. And I don't always, my wife actually is my, is my best critic. 
because she's honest. And I know that she's honest. And I know that she won't tell me I did a good job if I didn't. I know she will tell me when I did something stupid and when I said something I shouldn't have. She's not here today, so 9.30 was just a train wreck, and 11 o'clock will probably be the same. But, but she tells me, and I need to hear that. And a lot of times I don't like to hear it. I'm like, la, 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 la. But it's those times when I know what she's saying is right. And I really honestly want to be a better preacher. If I want to deliver God's word to a better ability so that people can hear him and not me, I want to listen to those things. Even more importantly, if I want to live my life more like Jesus Christ, I want somebody to come alongside me and say, Michael, you shouldn't be doing this in your life. Whatever it is, you've fallen off the path. We talked about that path last week. You've gotten off the path. Get back on the path. And only... Somebody who is with me all the time, who knows me intimately, who knows me better than anyone else except my wife and Jesus Christ can get into my life that way. See, I have to be willing to walk alongside somebody and open myself up to them and say, this is who I am. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Help me to be better and more like Christ. That's the hard thing in a world that takes such pride in doing things on your own. To come along somebody and to be vulnerable and open and say, this is who I am. Help me to be more like Jesus Christ because honestly, deep down inside of me, that's who I want to be. And if I'm not in a relationship, a discipleship relationship, then I'm missing it. I'm never going to make that Olympic stand. We all have to be in a relationship where someone is discipling us. And Jesus Christ said, go therefore into the world and make disciples of all nations. Here's the other part of it. If you have been down this path for a long time, if you are a firm believer in Jesus Christ and you've been moving and following that direction, it's time to become somebody's coach. It's time to become someone's disciple. It's time to get into a relationship with somebody and lead them down their path so that you can help them be more like Jesus Christ. We all need to be in either a relationship where we're being discipled or a relationship where we are discipling at all times. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ and want to move along that path and become closer to him, you need to be in one of those two relationships. Here's the thing about finding a disciple, finding a discipler. You can't really do it on your own. I mean, if I wanted somebody like Jason Weaver to be my Discipler. I'm not going to walk up to Jason Weaver and say, Hey, Jason, God told me that you need to disciple me. What I need to do is I need to sit down and I need to open my heart and my mind and say, God, I want to be discipled. Put on my heart a name, somebody that has been down this path, that knows you, that somebody I respect spiritually. Put on my mind someone who can truly disciple me. Pray about it. Honestly, pray about it. Don't just sit down one time and go, Jason Weaver. Because that was the first name that popped into your mind. If it is, fine. Pray about it some more. And if Jason keeps coming back, then go to Jason and say, Jason, I really want to be discipled. I want somebody to walk with me and to help me become more like Jesus Christ. And so I want you to pray about it. I think it's you. I think God's telling me that it's you. And I want you to pray about it. Pray about being my disciple or pray about taking me under your wing and helping me spiritually. And I, I want to commit to this. It's not just 
One phone call a month. Hey, what's up, Jason? How you doing? Great. Good. Things are well. Okay. See you next month. It's an open and raw relationship. It's deeper than a small group. We talk about small groups in here, how they're wonderful, and they are. You get together and you study the Bible and you do mission stuff and you live your life together. But this is much more intimate than that. So you go to Jason, you say, Jason, I really believe that God is leading me to this. And then from the other standpoint, Jason has to say, let me pray about it. And go away and and pray about it. Because I I love David Meniski gets comments a lot that says, people come up to him and God says, God told me that you need to be doing this. And David always says, well, God needs to tell me now. (laughs) Because he gets told a lot of stuff that people are, (laughs) that God have told other people that he needs to be doing. Jason needs to hear it from God, too. And if it really is the right relationship, if it really is something that is going to benefit Jesus Christ and bring you closer to God, God's going to make it clear to each party. So pray about it. If you're not in a relationship where you're being discipled, pray about that. I know it's a weird concept for some of you. I know it's a, it's a different way of life, living your life with someone like that. We have mentors at work. We have mentors in different areas of our life. But this, this is a little more personal. It's a little different. So pray about that. And if you are somebody who has been discipled and you're somebody who has gone through uh, your, your walk with Christ for a long time and, and you have something to offer and you know that you do. Pray about having a disciple. Right, here's the other thing is you can't walk up to somebody and go, hey, Keith Shelley, uh, God told me that I need to disciple you. Because one, Keith may go, yeah. No, God needs to tell me that. Keith may go, I need to disciple you is what God told me. What you need to do is pray that God would send someone to you. Open your life up to the promise that you have made to God as you accepted this freedom, that I will live my life like you. And because you did this, I too will do this. Because you have commanded me to make disciples, I'm going to open my life up to it. So God, send someone to me. Pray about it. Because there's good coaches out there and there's bad coaches. There's coaches out there that can take you down the wrong path. Get you into bad stuff. Pray about it. This is a serious thing to open up your spiritual life to someone else. But you need to do it. If you want to become that head chef, you've got to learn the knife skills. So that's my challenge to all of us. I don't know how many of you are in that kind of a relationship right now. I, I know that the church as a whole hasn't been really good about pushing this over the past many, 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 many years. We focused more on getting people to join the church than we have about their real relationship with Christ. We want to bring you in, and as soon as we get you in, you become a member. We're like, great, check, there's another one. Woohoo! look at us. We need to rediscover what Christ was talking about. He was talking about making disciples. We need to rediscover what God meant by the church. So I just invite all of you to come talk to me, talk to David, to Dinah, to Donna, to any of the pastors about this. We really want to move to something deeper. Because our passion and our desire isn't just to bring people to Jesus Christ. But it's not to leave them there. 
It's not to get you baptized and saved and then say, great, go fight the world on your own. It's to bring you into a relationship with Jesus Christ and then help you to move to be more like him. And look, there's only like five pastors here at this church, and we have 5,300 members. We're outnumbered pretty significantly. It is not, and you're going to say, well, you just don't want to do the work. It's not our job to disciple all of you. Because quite honestly, some of you are much further along in your walk than I am. And I need to be discipled by you. Some of you, we would get together in a relationship and it would not work. Jason and I could not be disciple and discipler because we are way too much alike. And we would never be, have a serious moment. Jason's, I didn't mention, I don't think I mentioned this at this service. Jason's getting married next Saturday to the girl next to him. And so that I'm doing, I'm doing the wedding and, uh, I, I did their premarital counseling. We've met once and, uh, so far, I don't know. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that's pretty much how the meeting went. Really. It was just Jason and I going back and forth with sarcastic comments and his beautiful, lovely, uh, bride to be cat sitting there going, seriously, I'm going to marry this joker. Um, and going, seriously, Jenna actually married you, I think was kind of how she was running through her mind of stuff. So Jason and I couldn't work. It's, it's not always going to work with somebody. So you need to find somebody and be open to someone that you might not even expect. Somebody that you might not even expect to be someone who could take you under their wing and disciple you. But, but they're there. And, and I just pray that you would, I pray that you would be open to this. Because I want you to see more of what God has for you in your life. Jesus Christ says, I want you to experience life, life to the fullest, abundance. And if you're just sitting and coming here on Sunday mornings and just that ends your relationship with God during the week, you're missing so much of what God has to offer. You're missing so much of the hope, so much of the victory that is there, that is through the blood of Jesus Christ. If you really want to truly be like Jesus Christ, you've got to be in this kind of relationship. You've got to come to worship. You've got to read the Bible. You've got to pray. It takes work to get into the pool and win a gold medal. It takes work to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ. I mean, when he said, take up my cross and follow me, that's not that pretty of a picture, is it? Let me tell you. I don't know if you saw Michael Phelps' reaction when he got his gold medal and he was up there on the stand and he was kind of weepy a little bit. I don't know if you saw when they were playing the national anthem and you could just see him. I mean, this guy's won six gold medals last Olympics and two other medals. He's projected, you know, dude knows what he's doing, right? This isn't his first rodeo. But he gets up there and he feels this overwhelming emotion. (laughs) That's nothing, nothing to the feeling that comes with knowing Jesus Christ in your life. I mean, I've never been on the gold medal stand. Uh, it's actually not true. I was, and it was a summer thing. I lived in Russia for a summer. That's another story I'll tell you about. But we kicked their tails in basketball, as we should. But I've, I've never experienced anything like that. But I have experienced the love of Jesus Christ. And I have experienced God's hand reaching out to me through the body of Christ in some of my darkest moments. And that is joy. And that is passion. If you live your life for Christ... You will be different than everyone else in this world. If you live your life for Christ, people in the world will look at you and go, there's something different about you because you know what? There is. And there needs to be something different about you because you have the spirit dwelling inside of you. You have a hope that the world doesn't know about. That's too good to keep to ourselves. 
that's too good to keep just here in this room. And so we've got to spread the word. We've got to spread the love of Jesus Christ and do what Matthew 28 says. Make disciples of all nations. We can't do that if we're not making ourselves a disciple. I challenge you is this. Just be open to the Spirit's leading. To pray about being a disciple or discipling someone. If you're you're questioning where you need to be, you're probably in the I need to be discipled place. Just open your life up to it. Pray about it. And don't pray about it just today or tonight. Pray about it for a few weeks. And let God work on you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you. Lord, we thank you so much for being a God who who loves us so much. That you're willing to correct us and rebuke us when we need that. You're willing to love us and support us. And we need that. Lord, I pray that you would open our lives, open our minds, that we might experience this disciple-making relationship that you long for us to be in. Help us, Lord, those of us that need to be discipled, to really honestly open our lives to that and to pray for that and to let you move someone into our life. God, those of us that are ready to take on a disciple, give us the courage and the strength and the wisdom to do that knowing that it is not us that is leading, but you. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you are a God who teaches us and who wants us to experience that victory. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.